Good morning. Welcome to Grace Point Virtual Church. We are glad that you are here with us this morning. Um, just have a couple announcements as before we get into our text. Our text this morning is First Thessalonians chapter four, verses one and two. We've uh, uh, turned the corner in, in this letter, and and so it's exciting where we're going. Um, so, First Thessalonians chapter four, verses one through two. I do have a couple of announcements here. Uh, first, uh, this this weekend is one of those weekends where in San Diego our, our weather is normally very predictable. Uh, it's normally sunshine, and so this weekend we we are sort of dealing with uh, are we going to have rain or not it, 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 on right now, and so trying to communicate with everybody with the most up to date. Uh, we sent out our plan via. Uh, email to those that are a part of this congregation and uh, just need to, you know to be kept abreast of what's going on. We sent out an email, sort of what our plan is uh, of how we're going to deal with, with the weather. So I do encourage you to sign up to the e-newsletter. If you're not sure how to do that, contact us. Um, it's right on our website. You can go to our website. You can you can sign up for it. And they're normally, if we don't know, if we don't recognize the name or the email, we will we, we will kind of verify who it is just so we know um, who gets the information. And really, it's it's an email on Thursdays and it's an email on Sunday morning, sending the link out. And maybe like once or twice a year, there'll be an urgent prayer request that goes out. Uh, Melanie is asking. As we get close to Thanksgiving, we're turning the corner for Thanksgiving. She'd like to sort of compile a, a thankfulness video. So if you would send her something, you could uh, send her a short video of something that you're thankful for. Um, you can send her a note with something that you're thankful for. She wants to compile a little video uh, just to, to show um, how we as, as a body of believers are grateful. I do think it's something that's really good and encouraging to our souls during this year that has been really difficult. So hearing about things that we're grateful for, uh, it really is sort of an antidote to our, our soul. Uh, I am going to try to go a little bit shorter today. I chose just two verses um, to try to keep the message a little bit um, short, just just not knowing how the weather is going to play out. You know, I, I, uh, I preach, I, I preach, I feel like I have two services. So I have the online service and then we have the in-person service. I preach the online service uh, typically on Fridays, and so we're kind of waiting for the weather to see what's going to happen on Sunday. And so our plan is to be outside. Um, that's our ideal. We can move inside if needed. Um, but our plan is to be outside, and so I just don't know the weather. It looks like it's going to be dry, and so, but I just kind of want to plan to be a little bit shorter. I don't know how well I'll do, but we'll see. Um, and so finally... Uh, the final announcement here is next Sunday is a time change. It's, you know, now these days it seems like all the clocks do it automatically, but this is the fall where we get a fall back one hour, you get the extra hour of sleep, and so it'll actually move us later in the day as we head into the, the sort of the, the winter time, so hopefully getting us a little bit more warmer weather uh, for those of us that are, that are meeting outside. Um, so with that, let's pray, and we'll get into our passage for today. Uh, Father, we do thank you and praise you uh, for your word. We thank you for this letter of Thessalonians. I, um, I've, I've been just enjoying it immensely as we have um, taken our time sort of bit by bit, focusing on and studying uh, the, the truths 
that are found here, the history, the relationship between Paul and this, this young church. I am so encouraged by it. And so, Lord, as we turn the corner here, I ask that you would help us, Lord, to, uh, to hear from you. May we be uh, encouraged by you. May we be prompted uh, to continue in our spiritual journey. Uh, Father, we pray that you would help us to lead lives that honor you and that we would be able to excel in the Christian life. We are grateful again for this time that we have to gather together, uh, to study your word, to worship you. And so we ask that you would uh, bless our time now. And it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen. All right. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us instruction as how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. And so, Father, we do thank you uh, for this word. We ask that you would uh, use it to work in our life this morning. And it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen. Okay, so really short passage. This is, uh, we, we, have a, we have a sort of a tipping point in, in the, the text of Thessalonians. Some have made the observation that the first three chapters, in large part, is a sort of a, a lengthy introduction. Um, it's, it's remarkable. There's, there's nothing negative in the first three chapters. There's no correction. There's no rebuke. There's Nothing like this. And um, in light of their, these are brand new believers. These, these are not only brand new believers, these are believers that came to Christ in, in the context where sort of, you know, Christianity wasn't sort of the foundation. I mean, this is like, these are brand new believers with a clean slate in their thinking as regards to sort of um, the things that Paul taught. However, they, they had many influences from the secular world and the things that they were uh, in, their, in their lives exposed to with, with pagan worship and idolatry. And so it's really like surprising that there hasn't been any sort of correction or rebuke in the first three chapters, especially when we look at other books like uh, Corinthians and Galatians, where Paul sort of he comes out of the gate sort of uh, heavy-handed or, or with deep emotion, sort of correcting problems. But he hasn't done any of that. All we've sensed in this, the first three lo- chapters is, is, for me, this, de- this deep love that Paul had for them and this deep pain that he had being separated from them, not by his own choice, but because he was ripped away from them. And so now... In chapter 4, we turn the page. Literally, in my Bible, I turn the page. But, but it's a whole new section, a whole new uh, set of ideas that he is, he's going to get into some very practical teaching. And, and we begin with these first two verses. Really, the first 12 verses in First Thessalonians chapter 4 are a section that all fit together. Um, sort of if we were to outline these 12 verses, the first two verses that we're looking at today, this, this is a, a general instruction on their, their con, 
their their conduct. It's um, the the grammar in the Greek is very complex, and um, but but it, but it serves sort of as the foundation to sort of launch the rest of what he's going to say. As we get into verses three through eight next week, we're going to deal with sexual purity, and then nine through twelve deals with. Uh, brotherly love. And I believe that we're going to take brotherly love in two weeks. So this is what we're looking at for the next four weeks. So, to, so today we're looking at sort of general content, uh, general conduct, uh, sexual purity, and then two weeks on sort of brotherly love. How does, uh, like, how does your life and love, how should it work out with those around you, those inside of the church and those outside of the church? Um, the Baker exegetical commentary it gives this this statement sort of on the uh, sort of how they would paraphrase these two verses that we're looking at today. It says a fuller paraphrase of this would be, and so brothers, let me spell out what I was hinting at in my closing words of chapter three, verse ten, and foreshadowed in my prayer of chapter three, verse twelve. And so if we were to look at the immediate context, verse 10 says, as we night and day keep praying earnestly that we may see your face and may complete what is lacking in your faith. So he desired to finish or to complete that which was lacking to sort of continue them in their training. And then in verses 12 through 13, this is where he prayed that their their love would abound for one another within the church, but also for all people, and that God would establish or strengthen their hearts so that they would be sort of with blame and in holiness, that they would live their lives, not perfectly, but to live their lives in a manner that at the end of the day, uh, that the Father our Father would would find how they live their lives acceptable. And so we're getting into the, the meat of this letter. We're getting to very uh, practical instruction uh, for them in their day-to-day lives and for us in our day-to-day lives. It's a, it really is an exciting segment of, of this letter. Um, and so we're going to just look at it. Let's get, let's get right in there. Uh, verse 1, we have these, these three words. Finally, then, brethren. So brethren, Paul uses this, I forget how many times through Thessalonians, but it's a huge number of times that Paul, like Paul the apostle refers to these young uh, believers as his, his brothers and sisters in Christ, that this is uh, equal footing. He's not, he's not necessarily above them. He has apostolic authority, but that's just what Christ has given to him. Um, but it's not sort of something that he uses to lord over them. He is very much in the trenches with them. He is going through life with them. Everything he says, there's a lot of like, we are going through this. We are trying to honor Christ. We want to do this in our lives. And, and it's, it's beautiful that he's linking arms with them and sort of like saying, we're going through life together. And that's, to me, that's the, the picture of, of the Christian life. That's the picture of what church life should be, that we're not just here for an hour on Sunday, that we really are sort of linking our lives together, getting to know each other, laughing together, enjoying life together. When we go through difficult times that we're there to pick each other up and to walk through the valleys 
with one another. That is really, truly what it's all about. Then we have this phrase, finally, then. It's, it's funny when we see this. Um, you know, I, I, I talk about how I really enjoy the gym that I go to. I, I don't go to one where you're just allowed to sort of, uh, you know, do your own stuff when you're there. There are classes, they're sort of regimented, and they do stuff that kind of brings me back to my military days. It's the local CrossFit gym here, and I love it. And, and a lot of times there'll be um, exercises or a workout where it's like, say, 15 or 20 minutes long, and then there's three different parts that you're supposed to do each part for like a minute, and then you do the next one for a minute, and then you do the next one for the minute, and then you kind of cycle through that. And they can be very like, I don't want to say backbreaking, but these workouts tend to be where you feel like your heart is going to explode because it's beating so fast because they get your heart rate up. And it always makes me laugh when uh, in between the minutes, the coach will, that's guiding it will say, you know, when you do the one minute, he'll say, rest. And I always think, why are you saying rest? You're not giving us time to rest. You're, you're, you should really be yelling out transition, like you're transitioning from one to the other. And so Paul here writes, finally then. And he says finally, but he still has two chapters to go. Uh, it kind of makes me laugh that you can't really you know, trust a pastor when he says in conclusion, and you think he's about to wrap up, and it doesn't necessarily mean anything, I said today that it's like why I'm, I'm hoping to go a little bit short. We'll see what actually works out in, in today's message. But here we are in the very first three words, and I'm 14 minutes in or whatever. And, and so uh, it, it seems to be this transitional thought. He says, finally, he's, he's, he's arrived at the place where he can deliver to them the information that he wants them to have. He's had his exchanges. He's shared his love. Now he wants to really uh, encourage them in their faith and prompt them along in their relationship with Christ. And he's not doing this looking down at them. He's, he's looking at this with them in the trenches and that he applies everything to himself, the same manner that he's asking of them. He goes on to say that we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is uh, this request and and exhort this, you could, you could say that he's asking, you could translate it this way, like we ask of you. Uh, it really is a light-handed request of Paul. Uh, by verse 2, he's going to get a little bit more, uh, I don't want to say heavy-handed, but, but firm in his uh, request or his instruction. Here, verse 1, though, it's, it's gentle. And, and um, it, it's very important that we understand this section because this, this is sort of the, these are the main verbs that sort of uh, propel us through the next 12 verses. So as we go through the next 12 verses, we need to keep in mind that it's all under the sort of the umbrella that Paul is requesting and exhorting them in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and it's going to be my job to to make sure that we don't lose sight of this over the next month, that as we go through these things, it all falls under that Paul is requesting of them. He's, he's asking them, like, you're doing these things or, or attempt to do these things. Um, we exhort you in the Lord Jesus Christ that he's saying that, that what the Lord wants of you in your life is to live it out in this way. And so, um, I, I think this is a beautiful thing that, that Paul's not asking in his own authority. 
his only source of authority is grounded in Christ Jesus. And really, that's the only authority that I have. That's the only, that's the only authority that we have from a, from a spiritual matter. And so we need to be really humble in how we sort of approach one another. You know, we can all have different convictions. We find, our, we, we find ourselves at a time where, where we're navigating life under uh, like high tension and affliction. And we each, in honoring Christ, we may have different convictions. And so uh, we might, we definitely have different convictions on things. And so as we sort of talk about and discuss it, uh, we need to make sure that we don't become dogmatic in our own opinions and, and make our opinions the same weight as Scripture or authority, uh, in authority. And also, when the Bible speaks, we also have to be careful not to water down to say, oh, well, I don't think that applies anymore. We really need to be careful uh, with humbling ourselves before the Word of God and saying, you know, this is, this is the Lord's authority in, in what He has presented to us, what He's revealed to us uh, about Himself, about uh, instruction for our day-to-day lives and how we're to go about things. And so we need to stay humble before the Word of God. We need to be careful in how we, um, as, as you have influence over others, maybe it's your children, uh, maybe you're a teacher in some capacity, but you need to really be careful with your own opinions and what the Bible says. And so uh, I have my own opinions, and, and a lot of times I won't present them as strongly in this context because if I don't really, the Bible, if I have convictions from the Scriptures, but it's not necessarily black and white, I need to be humble, and I need to be able to say, you know what, there's tension here. And some people fall this way, and some people tend to fall this way. And we're not certain. But at the same time, if there's something that our culture says is like, ah, this is acceptable, but the Bible says in black and white that it's not acceptable, I need to humble myself to that and say, you know what, I, 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 I understand where you're coming from. I struggle the same thing or the same way, but the Bible is pretty clear about what it says about that given subject. And so I need to personally, like I've made the choice that I believe that this is a word of God speaking, and so I'm going to humble myself to that instruction. Okay, so we go on here. And we're still in verse 1, and we see a that. If you have your Bibles open, uh, just, just sort of look down and sort of midway through verse 1, where we are, you see a that as you received from us. And then you also see a second that at the very end, like right towards the very end. It says that you excel still more. This uh, is the beginning. If you have the New American Standard in particular, it might sound a little bit wooden. Um, if you have other translations, uh, like I forget out of the top of my head how they, they handle it, but there's, you, you know, translating from one language to another language is, is an art. There's, uh, and there's different sort of philosophies um, and approaches to how you do it. Not like that one person has one approach, but what you're trying to accomplish. So the New American Standard, which is a translation I generally use uh, here at Grace Point Church, it's, it's very literal, like word for word. So as, as, as the words sort of unravel in the Greek, the New American Standard tries to sort of identify the punctuation and the word sort of word for word as best as they can 
And sometimes it comes across a little bit like, huh, that's, that just doesn't flow right. And then you have other translations, like on the other extreme would be like the New Living Translation, which is more of a dynamic equivalent of the text where they're trying to take the thoughts and they're trying to, to sort of um, present it in a way that, that the text is communicated as the author desired. And so all, all of this to say is that this is a really complicated sentence in the Greek. It, it's probably one of the, the, the more uh, difficult ones. Um, and I'm not going to bore you with the details, but it's like Paul is making his request. And really the request, as I look at the text here, and I'll go over it again, he says that we ask and ex- we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus, skipping down to the second, that, that you excel still more. And so the request here is, is that these believers in Thessalonica, that they would continue to excel in the Christian life and that they would continue to move forward. Um, but between here and there, there's sort of these two parenthetical statements that there's like one which would be normal for Paul, but then there's like a second one. So like in between his request, there's all of these other things sort of like compiled in there. So let's just work through them a little bit uh, at, at a time here. So... He says, that as you received from us, just right away, this isn't new information, that when Paul was there over the last, when he spent the three weeks with them, he conveyed all of the same material to them. When he sent Timothy back to them to check in on them, Timothy had the instruction to strengthen their hearts and to help them in their spiritual growth. And certainly, Timothy would then have reiterated these same truths and now that Timothy is back, given a report to Paul, Paul is then sending this letter back to them, that they're to read amongst the church, that they're to study this, and that they are uh, to apply these truths that they have already received. So this isn't, this isn't new information. This is information that they know. He says that, uh, that as you receive from us instruction on, on how you ought to walk and please God. And so right away, we're confronted with the reality that as followers of Jesus, as Christians, our, like our lives, how we live our lives, it matters. Like God cares about how you apply the truths that you've received and then how you live them out in your day-to-day life we will give an account for how we live our lives. And so Paul is saying, you've heard instruction from us. We've sort of laid out some, some guidelines and some principles and some uh, uh, things that will instruct you in day-to-day life. And he's going to unpack them again as we get through there, dealing with like sex and relationships and all like very practical and tangible matters. And so he's going to share with them again, but he says, what we desire is you, the, the information that you have. You don't need new information. You need to apply the information that you have in your lives. Uh, walking, it's sort of the ideal of, idea of lifestyle. And, and he says that I want you to please God uh, with how your life is lived out. Paul and Philippians which is the town just below them where Paul came from, that Paul has a wonderful relationship with. When Paul wrote them a letter while he was in prison again, in Philippians 2, verses 12 through 13, Paul writes this, 
So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And so what he's saying here is, you know, the the Christian life, salvation, it's not just about fire insurance. It's it's about receiving Christ, having the Holy Spirit indwell you, and then letting God transform you, transform your thoughts, transform your attitude, uh, transform how you interact with others, like like a supernatural transformation happens. And and in Philippians, he's saying that you've been doing this. Continue doing this. In my presence, you do this, but when I'm away from you, continue to do this. I mean, this is the the old idea that um, when nobody's around and nobody sees you, what do you do? That's who you really are. And he's saying that, like, whether I'm there and I see you or whether I'm away, like, what I desire of you is to, to live this out. And he uses this, this phrase to work out your salvation. This, this isn't something like you're trying to earn your salvation. This is that you've been given salvation, you've received salvation, now put it into action, live it out. This is uh, the, the, the illustration that never runs out is, the, you know, the exercise machine that you have collecting dust in your garage or the weights that are doing the same thing. The idea is that you have them, use them. Or the other saying, you know, use it or lose it. And so as we grow in the spiritual life, we're to walk with Christ, we're to live it out. We're to work it out with fear and trembling. And it says, look, at for, for it is God this is still back in Philippians, for it is God who is at work in you. So God is working in your midst. Don't resist. Uh, yield to him. Allow him to do his work in your life, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And so how the, the, the Spirit manifests itself in your life as the fruit of the Spirit sort of develops by your walking with him, we're told here that it, uh, that it pleases God. Totally a transformed life. Beautiful. And as we're back to Thessalonians, so first parenthetical statement, he says, as you receive from us instructions on how you ought to walk and please God. That's, that's the one thought. You've already received this. You've, you know the information. Now it's about applying it. Now he wants to be careful. He doesn't want them to think that he's bashing on them or to think that they actually um, haven't accomplished or they're not moving forward in the Christian life in the way that he thinks they should. And so then as he thinks about this, he's like, oh, I hope they're not like, I, I hope they don't think that I'm like getting upset with them. It, it's funny, before I was a pastor, I could sort of check in with people and just, you know, like you, you, you could text a friend and say, hey, how are you doing? I'm thinking about you. And it was no big deal. Now that I'm, now that I'm a pastor, I realize that if I'm thinking about somebody and I reach out to them, there's like a whole bunch of, I don't know if it's baggage or, but I always have to give it a disclaimer like, hey, I'm not, like, you just came up in my thinking, and so I want to reach out to you to make sure that you're doing okay. I'm not, I'm not coming down on you. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. It's just that God brought you to my mind, and, and I've learned to sort of respond to that, 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 that feeling because 
um, there's been times when I didn't respond in bad, like not that bad things happened, but things that happened and I didn't respond. And then I had later, I had regrets and remorse for not listening to what I believe was God sort of leading me to do that. And, and so he tells them in this, it's literally in your Bible, it should be in brackets or parentheses. And he says, just as you actually do walk. So he's, he's not scolding them. He says, what I'm telling you, um, that as you receive this instruction from us on how you ought to walk and please God, you're, you're doing it. But, but keep doing it. Like, like you're actually doing it. I, 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 like I'm grateful for you. I'm thankful for you. I'm so encouraged, as, as we saw in the previous chapters, that I, I'm so encouraged by how these things are like working out in your life. And then he says that you excel still more. He wants them to keep pressing on, to, to not take their foot off the gas. I've mentioned, well, I don't know if I've mentioned. If you've been around me, I've mentioned. I don't know if I've mentioned on camera or not, but on my birthday, I received a new toy. I got a Traeger. And, uh, you know, Traeger grill. And uh, I, I enjoy barbecue. Those of you that know me, I, like, enjoy barbecuing. Um, and, and so the Traeger has, like, really blown my mind for the barbecue I can that I can do like I'm like I'm presently working on a, a, a brisket that's just like there it's like it's like cooking in the oven it's it's wonderful I love it and I don't want to get too sidetracked but earlier this week I, I like I'm I'm like okay I need to like branch out on these these harder barbecue meats that require like hours and hours and hours of smoking like 16 hours or something ridiculous 16 to 20 hours of the smoke to get things just right and so earlier this week what I did for the first time is I, I got some uh, pork butt. It's from the shoulder. I don't know why they call it pork butt, but still, that's still the, the teenage boy in me still kind of giggles when I say it. And and so pork butt it turns into like pulled pork, so like this shredded meat. And it's just like, I guess it's really a tough meat, and so it requires this long cook time in order to soften up. And so I did all my reading. I did all my research, and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to like on on Sunday night... Sunday nights tend to be like my Friday night. I'm like, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start this. And so I, I got. I went to Costco. I got the cut of these, this, these big chunks of meat. And at like eight o'clock at night, I put them on the grill. I'm following the instructions. I got on the grill real low, and it said go for you know overnight. I could barely sleep. I was so excited. I was dreaming about barbecue and and. And so, the, like in the morning, I keep watching all the YouTube videos, trying to at what point do I need to do stuff. And, and so you go from like, you know, whatever room temperature is, you're trying to get it up to 201 degrees, the, the, the meat, so that the fibers kind of break down. But you get to certain temperatures and it seems like nothing's happening. It's not increasing and it can take a long time. And so this one lady that was, that I kind of followed as my guide, she was like, listen, the meat's going to get to 160 degrees and then it's not it's not going to continue to increase for what seems like a while. And, and, and then she says, like, the, the tendency is for people to get paranoid because the temperature is actually holding at 160 for so long. And, and her instruction was, like, don't, don't, like, don't worry. It's called where the meat stalls in temperature. And, and it doesn't seem like anything's happening, 
but but what's actually happening is like the juices are like reorientating themselves. And if you're a vegetarian, I'm really sorry for talking about all of this, but it's like the 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 juices are doing whatever they're doing, and the process takes a while. And then once it gets done, then it will continue to increase. And she's like, a lot of people will make mistakes when they see the stall. Then they'll start messing with the temperature. Then they turn it up, and then like bad things happen. Now. Why in the world are you talking about this? Because you're excited about barbecue? Well, that would be true. Like, I am excited about barbecue. Like, I, I do like that. Why I'm bringing this up is so many in the Christian life stall out, like that meat stalls out. You go along, and you're progressing well. Like, God seems to be moving. Everything happens. And, and then something comes up. Something happens in your life, and your spiritual temperature begins to stall. Now, as a, as a pastor, somebody who, especially who has like the, the command from Hebrews 13, 17, I believe it is, that, that says that I'm going to give an account for your souls, like it's really easy for me to like to get concerned about like are you stalled out or is God's churning within you and things are happening but I'm just not seeing it. Like, I, like just like there's the waiting and watching and it, it gets concerning. So sometimes people stall out for good reasons. Like it's just more like it, the saturation, you got to just sort of let the time to allow God to work, that things are happening, but it just might not seem like you're progressing. But unfortunately, so many times when people stall out, it's like the crash and burn effect. And and I'm really concerned for a lot of people within Christianity, like across the nation, like friends of mine who are pastors and, and with the coronavirus and the lockdown and, and people not uh, fellowshipping and not being in person together and churches that are, that are like how they're handling stuff. And I do think with this whole like distant uh, learning as we're doing, like it, like, if you're still going and you're still progressing, it, like, it warms my heart. So I, I'm so grateful for the emails that come in and the text messages and just sort of checking in with me. But I think there's a lot of people who started out for the first couple of weeks who are walking good with the Lord, and then they fell away. And I think that in large part across the landscape of the United States, there are many who the coronavirus has sort of shipwrecked their faith. And it's a, it's a worrisome thing as a pastor. And so... Paul, in this case, he sees that they're moving along, but he also recognizes the persecution and the things that they're going with and the, just the temptations of the world and the culture around them that they're so used to that he's worried that they're going to stall out and they're going to crash and burn. And they haven't done it yet. And so he's like, just keep your foot on the gas. Keep pressing on. Keep pursuing Christ. Keep chasing after him. When you don't feel like it, still gather. When you don't feel like reading your Bible, read your Bible. When you don't feel like praying, pray. Or when you don't feel like these things, do something to sort of ignite the fire within you. Go to church. Listen to worship music. Take away things that are like pulling you away. Exercise spiritual discipline. Sometimes it's fasting. Sometimes it's like whatever it is, accountability, sharing with somebody to say, you know what, I'm just not really thriving in the Christian life. And so Paul is saying that you excel all the more. Keep on keeping on. Press on. 
Then he gets to verse 2. For you know what commandments we gave to you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. So now things are getting a little bit more intense. He says, for you know, this is again information that they've already received, what commandments we gave you. Now this word commandment, this is where it went from like the uh, we ask or we request and exhort you. This light-handed request now gets a little bit more difficult. He says, for you know what commandments we gave to you. This word commandments is a military term. This is this is a, a you know like the commanding officer telling somebody below him go clean the toilet. Like there's there's no room for like there's just no room for pushing back or saying no. Like like this is the military. There is clear lines of of sort of uh, of authority and. Those that outrank you, that are your chain of command, you what they say, uh, lawful, or you have to do it. And so now Paul is saying, you know what commandments we gave to you by the authority of the Lord Jesus? He's like, this, this isn't from us. This isn't like I'm saying, like, this is what Paul thinks. This is what I think is good for you. This is the authority of the Lord Jesus, the, the one whom created the world, who spoke the world into existence, the one who created you, who knows you, who who has given you this life and breath and he controls your, your destiny in many ways. He says, that guy, the one who's in authority, he's the one who gave these commandments. It's not for you to sort of push back on. This is why I take the word of God so seriously. It's not like, and I have a lot of room to go, like we all have room to, to like advance, but it's the, it's the spoken word of the Lord and it's his authority. And so our culture might not like it, but I can't bend to the, the, the shifting tides of culture when the scripture is the word of God. And it's like, okay, I need to like submit myself to the word of God. And so this is a really like humbling. How am I living my life? How am I taking the word of God? Am I listening to what he says or am I taking the parts I like and doing that? And then the parts I don't like, I'm kind of, uh, you know, massaging them out. So then they kind of go along with my opinions. It's, uh, it, it's, it's convicting. Jesus says some very hard stuff. His word cuts and it hurts. But then he comes along with the Spirit and he heals. And so when I look at this path, like this, these first two verses, the whole so what, what, what do we make of these two verses? Um, the first, the first thing that like jumps right out at me, and we're going to sort of unpack this more and more, is how we live our lives, it matters to God. God cares about how you live your life. You're not living your life to earn your salvation, but as a saved individual who's placed your faith in Christ, who has received salvation by God's grace through your faith, he then desires you to live out your life in a way that's pleasing and honoring to him. A word in my study this week came up that was like, oh, I remember that word, a word praxis. It's a Greek, it's a Greek word. And so in the study of this, like the, the idea of praxis, that, it, that, that God cares about praxis. I have a buddy that named his church praxis a, a number of years ago. But praxis is an old Greek word that um, it, it's, it, it, the idea of it is it's taking a, um, a lesson or a theory that comes into the individual and then 
then that individual practices that idea and it sort of becomes realized that the, the idea goes into the individual, the individual then understands it and then it's realized in the life of the individual. And so God doesn't just want you to get knowledge up here. He wants you to get knowledge up here and then for it to move down 18 inches to your heart and so then you would actually walk it out and live it out in your life. And this, this takes time. The third thing I see is don't stall out in the Christian life. Life is going to get hard. There's going to be difficulties. Your, your flesh is strong. You're going to want to meander away. That might start innocent, whatever it is. And I do think that it's, you know, we, we really have to, you know, keep that close watch of our hearts and that we have to walk the line, as Johnny Cash would say. Um, like, don't stall out. Like, whether you've, like, known the Lord for two weeks, keep pressing on. But the bigger danger is for those of you that have been walking with the Lord for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, um, those are the people that I'm actually more concerned about than the early, like, people early on. Those that have been walking with the Lord for a long time, they have a tendency of thinking that they have attained where they need to go and they stop caring. I think Paul is saying to you, like, no, 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 keep on keeping on, press on. Again, the Baker exegetical commentary, what he says sort of introducing this passage with a fuller paraphrase says, and so, brothers, let me spell out what I was hinting at in my closing words of 310 uh, to complete what is lacking in your faith and foreshadowed in my prayer of 312 through 13 to be abounding in love and strengthened hearts. Um, this is where the whole moving along. I, I keep thinking of Keith Green's song, O oh Lord, You're Beautiful. It's a wonderful prayer that is my prayer for each of you. And in that, there a couple of the lines, it says, O oh Lord, please light the fire that once burned bright and clear. Replace the lamp of my first love that burns with holy fear. I want to take your word and shine it all around, but first help me to just live it, Lord. And when I'm doing well, help me to never seek a crown, for my reward is giving glory to you. It's this beautiful, powerful song. I'd encourage you that when you close here, um, like when we when we close, I'm going to pray right now. But maybe you just uh, just just you know search on YouTube or Google, uh, "Oh Lord, You're Beautiful" by Keith Green, and and take the time to listen to the song and listen to it as a prayer. And Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for your word. Uh, we ask that you would help us now to live it out, to excel in our relationship with you. We pray that you would grow our fellowship with one another. <clears throat> we ask <clears throat> that you would um, just really ignite our hearts and our passion for you, that we would live uh, focused on you, desiring to, to make our lives pleasing to you. Lord, we need this uh, help by your spirit to do this. And so we look to you, Lord, to lead us, to guide us, to strengthen us. And it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen. Well, I hope you all have a, a wonderful week. Hopefully we get some rain tonight. And, and uh, in, 
into Monday. They say snow might be coming, so I hope you have a wonderful week. Uh, God bless you all. Uh, Have a great week. Bye.